Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 301 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about three types of leg length discrepancies and who needs a lift. We'll be discussing the different types of leg length discrepancy. We'll be talking about who is a candidate for a lift. And we're going to talk about how to determine if the lift goes inside the shoe or outside the shoe. But if you don't mind holding a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs. And they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Hello everyone and welcome back. So we've crested the 300 mark. We're hitting episode 301 today. Super excited about this. And I had a patient uh, today who uh, we've been working with, and uh, he's had this leg length discrepancy ever since he's had hip surgery. Uh, now a one and a half inch lift difference or leg length discrepancy difference. And um, it's considerable. He's here now for back pain, continued hip pain, um, and discomfort on the anterolateral side of his right hip, um, on the same side he had his hip replacement on, and has this pretty significant leg length discrepancy. Now, he had a lift built onto his shoe about half an inch, uh, and uh, it certainly is not enough. So what I want to do today is talk a little bit about the different types of leg length discrepancies, and uh, you know, when do you put a lift on somebody? Do you put the lift inside the shoe or outside the shoe? And how to manage those? So the first type of leg length discrepancy there is, is the anatomical or structural leg length discrepancy, which basically means that there is a difference in the actual length of the bony structures, basically from the pelvis down. So a femur is physically shorter uh, on one side than the other, or the tibia is shorter on one side than the other. And those are structural anatomical differences. Obviously, um, this is no different than having a wall that is supposed to be four by six, uh, being maybe four feet uh, on one side and three and a half feet on the other, uh, while the top and bottom are still six feet. It's going to be out of square and it's just not going to function well, not going to work well as a wall. And so, um, you know, we look at these structural differences and say, okay, we can make a structural change, okay? Uh, it's no different than aligning the car. You kind of align the car and the, 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 the wheels start to run straight and the car doesn't drive into the ditch, you know, when you let go of the steering wheel. So those are very correctable with lifts. Now, the next type of leg length discrepancy would be your functional leg length discrepancy, which would be due to some sort of a... Um, a postural change, okay, not necessarily a bony change, but maybe a change at one of the joints uh, in the lower extremities. It could be that you have a flat foot or pes planus on one side uh, versus uh, a 
uh, a high arch on the other side, or maybe you have a contracture in the knee, which will uh, give you a what appears to look like a leg length discrepancy, and your pelvis will now change height, which will stress your hip, stress your back, uh, and cause all kinds of issues. You can also have a rotated anonymate. All right, so if you are rotated on one side, your leg will look longer or shorter depending on the rotation, and. So by correcting the leg length in these folks, um, you're not really correcting the structural problem. Um, you're just kind of feeding into it. So these are the types of patients that you don't really want to put a lift on right away unless these are permanent contractures or asymmetries that have been corrected or attempted to be corrected in the past. So if somebody has a posteriorly rotated anonymate on the right side, you want to try to anteriorly rotate that anonymous. You want to, uh, you know, counter on the other side and try to get that limb length corrected just by correcting those asymmetries that are functional. So if they have a, you know, a tight posterior knee capsule, you want to do some low, low, long duration stretching into extension. You want to do some hamstring stretching and you want to optimize the quad to push the knee into extension so that the leg is straighter. Um, and that will give you better symmetry at your pelvis. And therefore you don't need to put a lift on these people. Um, and then the third type of um, leg length discrepancy would be your environmental. So, you know, people who go out for a run and they run on a cambered road, um, obviously one leg will appear to be longer than the other one. Um, when you're uh, running on a cambered road or if you uh, work on a slanted surface or slope surface or maybe um, one leg is on a anti-fatigue mat while the other one is on the floor um, and those would cause your legs to appear to be longer and shorter than the other uh, and it'll throw your pelvis off. So that is correctable in regards to education. So please put both feet on the anti-fatigue mat or run on a surface that is level, not sloped. Uh, if you're going to run on that surface, run up and down it rather than across it. And you can make those changes. So in regards to you know, functional and environmental issues uh, or leg length discrepancies, you don't really need to lift those folks right away. But if somebody comes in and they've had a total hip replacement, and they now have a one and a half inch leg leg discrepancy. Uh, that will not change over time. I hear patients tell me a lot that their providers say that the the leg will settle in and um, it will it will get back to the original length. And I've just in 31 years I've never seen that happen. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if we wait a couple of weeks or we make wait five months. That leg length discrepancy is still there. So I've just never have seen that correct itself. And in these people, I will measure them for. Uh, the leg length discrepancy, and then make a correction. So um, as I have talked about in, in previous podcasts, you can take a tape measure and measure from the ASIS to the medial malleolus. Uh, when the patient is supine, laying flat on their back, you do uh, just a bridge and then have them settle down. Then you pull on the legs and try to get them leveled out. The problem with that is that not everybody will settle down into the most symmetrical position possible. 
Some have a very rounded ASIS or medial malleolus, so it's hard to pinpoint an exact location on where to put your tape measure. Um, if somebody has a rotated anonymate, uh, you know, it is difficult to identify that leg length. And, and then the last thing I want to say about measuring leg, leg length when people are in the supine position is really it does not matter when they are supine. They are never weight-bearing, and their spine does not become stressed because of a leg length discrepancy when they are supine or non-weight-bearing. So I always, always, always measure my patients who have leg length discrepancies in standing. I use little risers, so basically they're plexiglass plates at different heights, and I just slip the lowest one under the foot that is on the shortest side, and I work my way up till the pelvis is level, where the ASIS and iliac crests are nice and level, and the patient feels completely comfortable. They don't feel like they need to flex a knee to correct, or they don't need to twist their back or laterally shift their pelvis to correct for that leg length uh, discrepancy. So they need to feel totally comfortable. Now, now, when do we put a lift inside the shoe versus outside of the shoe? Well, I have always been a huge advocate of never going more than three-eighths of an inch inside the shoe. Now, here's the thing. I don't do heel lifts for correcting leg length discrepancy. I don't like that. It makes the, the heel and ankle unstable. It shortens the calf increases the arch height so therefore there's more excursion to contribute to things like plantar fasciitis and metatarsalgia morton's neuroma and it overpressures the forefoot so i don't like to do that i will either do a three-quarter length basically from the heel to the metatarsals or a full length uh, lift inside the shoe when you go full length though you need to remember there needs to be room in the toe box so that may fill up the shoe too much um, but I typically 95% of the time will use a three-quarter length lift and I will not go more than three-eighths of an inch inside the shoe because if you go too much it makes it just too tight in that shoe they have to go a half size bigger or the heel is up too high and it starts to slip out of the back of the shoe and they don't like that pistoning effect at the back of the shoe. So that's kind of where I go from there. Now, if somebody is, you know, uh, three-eighths or needs three-eighths or more, like this gentleman that we just recently saw, um, that lift will be placed underneath the sole of the shoe. Um, some people will... Uh, place it right underneath the sole which I don't like I like the sole to be sliced down the middle um, and what they do is they basically peel it off the bottom and then place a material in there to to give that lift I usually send those recommendations to a cobbler and then they will go ahead and, and add that lift to the undersurface of the shoe so this gentleman has uh, almost an inch and a half uh, underneath the shoe and luckily it started with a, you know, three quarters of an inch and that wasn't enough, but it kind of got him up to snuff to where we needed to get him. Uh, I hate to increase the lift all at one time, um, but sometimes you have no choice. I like them to kind of work up to that lift. Um, but now his, his back pain has gone away. He came in today with his new lift. His back pain has gone away. His hip is feeling much better. He has a lot less tenderness in the um, anterolateral muscles of the leg and uh, just looks much better. Uh, has uh, I, what I call better attitude with an, an altitude. So, um, you know, 70 to 90% of people 
have a leg length discrepancy. So the one thing I don't like is when somebody comes into the office and maybe they have some back pain or hip pain or something like that and and every person is told that they have a leg length discrepancy and that it has to be corrected. I really don't mess with them uh, unless they are more of, than a quarter of an inch in as far as leg length discrepancy goes. Um, I just you know, can find a leg length discrepancy on almost every single patient that comes into the office. Um, and if it's under a quarter of an inch, I leave well enough alone. Okay. If I think that it's a factor, I will correct it. Um, but other than that, I just kind of don't touch it. So, um, that is my take on the different types of leg length discrepancy and how you should manage some with a lift and others you should not. You should just work on flexibility, strain counter strain activities, um, and see if maybe some flexibility and strengthening can correct, um, what is causing the apparent leg length discrepancy. So hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, um, lots more to come uh, in, uh, you know, the in the future, and I hope you all take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. <laughs>